Here we go. Mm -hmm. Welcome to BP Wrigley Cast, the Cubs podcast that started with four, and we hopefully should have all four of us here tonight. Um, uh, my name is Carlos Portocaro. I'm joined by Ryan Davis and Joel Reese. Isaac Bennett hopefully will be able to join us uh, shortly, but uh, it's good to have everybody together, almost. <laughs> Guys, welcome back to the podcast. It's like I never left. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, did you leave? I, I, just for a minute, I went to the grocery store. Oh, That's you're, you're the funny one, right? Um, sometimes. Okay. No, you're the old one. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm the one who gets my feelings hurt when people make jokes about me being old. So. Well, going from there, uh, we are Cubs are partying like it's 2014. Woohoo! We are at, we are at the halfway point. Uh, the All Star break is here. I, I rarely say this, but thankfully, I feel like Cubs, the Cubs, and Cubs fans need a break in any kind of. Uh, uh, baseball activity that counts right now um they're what hovering is it a game under 500 do they finish at 500 they're two games under. um and after all the after the incredible season last year and and the deep run and and winning everything and joel and i getting to attend game seven <clears throat> um this season had all kinds of expectations here we are at the halfway point and we're here to discuss what's going to be probably a very disappointing, uh, well, not, not a disappointing year yet, but a disappointing discussion because it's going to be focused on a lot of negative stuff. Thankfully, we won't be spending a lot of time on Jason Hayward, I don't think, but we'll <laughs> see. Um, with that, I want to start with just right off the bat, who, who, whether it's a player or a theme or something about the team, What's and I'll start with you, Ryan. What's your what's the thing that's disappointed you the most about this team so far this season? Well, it has to be the starting pitching to me. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, there's no way around it. The not only has the pitching been bad overall, with uh, you know John Lackey giving up home runs at uh, leading the National League last I looked, and uh, Jake Arrieta being you know really up and down, often you know having that one big blow up inning. Uh, even Lester not being uh, as good as we've come to expect him. So um, it, I, th I would say the starting pitching has to be number one. The Hendricks injury doesn't help. Uh, guys like Alec Mills, who they acquired from the Royals, you know, has you know been on the disabled list at AAA all year, so he's given you nothing. Uh, Eddie Butler has come up, and he's been able to give you a couple decent innings, but that's about it. Uh, he's averaging less than five innings per start. So – you know, a guy that you were hanging your hat on hoping that he could be maybe a number five starter going forward. Now you're questioning whether he's even in your rotation in 2018. So uh, that's the biggest disappointment is uh, that they failed to bring in any, uh, you know, difference makers in the rotation in the off season. And now they're in this point where they're very thin in the rotation and, and even the guys that you should be counting on aren't performing. Uh, it's a really big mess, and um, I don't know how they solved that going forward. Yeah, you know, it's it's looking at the just looking at the numbers on the offensive side. It's kind of it's disappointing, especially you know going going off of last year and all the expected growth that some of these young guys you know we project. Oh, he could get better. He could get better. You know, it could be better than this. Um, but yeah, I, I agree with you. I think the starting rotation, and it's interesting because you know that that uh, that profile on Epstein that was in, I can't remember where it was, but, you know, they highlighted the fact that he wrote, you know, pitching and he kind of stamped that up on his desk. And that was the thing that he had to go out and find. Um, and here we are with, uh, you know, starting rotation that is just, just terrible. Well, not terrible. Let's not go that far, but just not getting the job done when the rest of the team, you know, could be doing a lot better. Joel, any, any other opinions on that or something different? Well, yeah. I mean, clearly the starting pitching has been brutal and it's been painful. I think we all kind of, and Ryan, to give you uh, some credit, I remember you wrote an article a while uh, at some point saying that the, the Achilles heel going forward looked like their starting pitching going into 2017. And so mm -hmm. I think we all saw some regression coming, but I mean, you know, Lackey, we thought, might be able to kind of hold it together with, you know, veterans, Savvy, and Guile, and the, the blood of the occasional hobo um, <laughs> to, uh, you know, piece together a decent year. But clearly that's not happening. Hendricks has been injured. Arietta 
is, you know, the sixth inning is just his kryptonite. And, and then Lester has been uh, undependable, certainly. And I know that we've got some recency bias because his last two starts have been pretty brutal. But in addition to the pitching then, you know, um, almost everyone offensively is down from last year. Chris Bryant, Anthony Rizzo, Zobrist has fallen off the cliff. Hayward has been injured, but and it showed some improvement, but not much. Albert Almore, we can, I, I think Almore is a special case we can talk about. Him. I'm just going like across the diamond. Mm-hmm. Addison Russell has fallen off the cliff. Um, Schwarber has not become the, the second coming of Babe Ruth as we thought. Contreras has improved, um, which is good to see. Um, but, you know, at some point, if we want to get into it, you know, potential trade candidates, I think Contreras, Bryant, and Rizzo are pretty much the only ones at this point. Um, and I, whether you make that trade for this year, I know that um, Ryan and I had a very, uh, very um, gentle, I would say, <laughs> Twitter battle. It was very polite. Um, and I was, we don't have to get into this now or we can, but I was saying that if things continued, they might want to look at seriously um, trading Wade Davis. And I got about eight guys jumping on me and then no one came to my aid. Sounds like your normal Saturday night. Yeah. It's more of a Friday night thing. Actually. Oh, sorry. Yeah. That's cool. Um, but I, uh, just uh, no, no one came to my aid, but I'm still, I mean, based on what I'm seeing, I just don't, I know that there's, uh, there's a lot of reasons to think that, that the, you know, Brian will start hitting better with runners in scoring position and the team will start hitting better with runners in scoring position and Zubris won't be completely awful and blah, blah, blah. When you say trading Wade Davis, does that, what is that? What's the larger piece of that? Is that saying okay? Let's just let's just get what we can from this great great uh, numbers that the closer is putting up, and just kind of eh, wait through the rest of the season. You saw what well, I did. I'm not, saying, I'm not saying to do it tomorrow. I mean, you know, maybe they coming out of the All Star game, they go twelve and four, you mm-hmm. know, or sixteen and three, or whatever, and they and they really start playing like we know they can. At which point I say, no, do you don't trade him. But if they keep kind of scuffling along at 500 or a little below and Jake mm-hmm. Carrier can't, you know, go without giving up four runs in the sixth inning and Lester is up and down and, right. you know, then I see no reason to keep him when I know, I know that the argument is you get in that class, anything can happen. And the, you know, the St. Louis Cardinals winning, um, whatever year that was when Carlos Marmol let them get into the playoffs um, is the example that everyone cites and rightly so. But I just don't see any magic with this team. I don't see anything that tells me that they are going to find the on switch because they haven't. And maybe, you know, they're, of course, that's baseball. You know, who thought that Rajay Davis was going to hit a home run off Rawls Chapman? Um, and anything can happen. But to me, and I don't think that they would necessarily, I don't know that they would do this. But to me, I look at what I've seen. I, I just don't. There's nothing that makes me think that they're going to find the on switch in the playoffs. So Wade Davis has gone at the end of the year. You could probably get something pretty good for him. So I would strongly consider trading. All right. So I have a, you guys who are listening don't know this, but we have a little chat on the side where we type a little (laughs) exclamation point when we want to talk. And I'm just hitting exclamation points after (laughs) one after another while Joel goes on there because I want to get in here. Um First of all, Theo Epstein has already said he he doesn't envision a scenario where the Cubs are are trading away players and essentially waving the white flag on the season. Um, and I think that's the right move. Um, you, you talk about you know coming out of the All Star break. What do they have about twenty games or so before uh, before the trade deadline? Or maybe maybe eighteen games. Um, if they go ten and eight or you know eleven and seven or nine and nine. And they're still within five or six games of first place. I don't see them trading Wade Davis or anybody else off this roster. Um, I don't see them going into the trade deadline, you know, five, six, even seven games back and saying that they're out of it because there's still two months of the season left. And this is a team that won the World Series in 103 games last year. So it's just an impossible thing to to tell this team that that they're out of it and then trade everybody away. Quit clicking at me, Joel. I hate you. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like angry clicking. <laughs> Damn. Um, uh, the other thing is, I I think it, Theo Epstein did leave the door open when he talked about it and said, 
you know, may, it, he didn't envision being under 500 at this point either. So it, it doesn't mean it can't possibly happen, but I think it would take a 1999 Cubs kind of, you know, when that team was, mm. uh, you know, like eight games over 500 in, in early June. And then all of a sudden, you know, just went in the tank and lost a ton of games. I think it would take that happening in the next, uh, in the next few weeks before they would do that. Well, it's interesting because, uh, you know, we talked, we talked a lot about Jason Hayward and how I remember saying it over and over, Oh, just wait it out, wait it out. He'll come around. It'll happen. It'll happen. And, and it never did. And I can see Joel's point. And now in terms of making, you know, even if, even if Theo has said that the white flag moves aren't going to happen and all this, I just, I was looking at the, we were talking about the rotation and I was kind of focusing in on Jay Carrietta and it's amazing to think that, you know, two years ago, you know, we were, we were touting the praises of that trade and we still should uh, and thinking, wow, look at what we got. We got ourselves basically a number one starter who happens to be a number two because John Lester got, you know, signed, but we got ourselves a number one starter, call him a number two. If you, if you didn't buy it at the, at that time, but whatever. Uh, and, and, very easily, any many other teams would have given this guy a long-term deal, give him a bunch of money, and said, "All right, you're you're our guy." Um, and they didn't. And so, you know, this has been a disappointing first half. But I think now is a good time to look back at, at that non-move and say, "Wow, that really worked out." Because if Jake Arrieta had been signed back then to a five-year, one hundred million dollar deal you're looking at a much more challenging set of decisions that you have to make in order to get this team contending, whether it's for the second half of 2017 or even just to set it up for 2018, you're much more hamstrung. And that's why all that talk of Justin Verlander just kind of like freaked me out when I started hearing it. Right. Yeah. And the, uh, the, the Jake Arrieta stuff uh, from day one, I, I was very anti-extension on him. Uh, just for this very reason, because you hadn't seen him do it long term. Um, he was a late bloomer who throws across his body and, you know, just the nature of everything he does just didn't lend to imagining him doing it very long term. Uh, so <clears throat> I, I'm right there with you. It was a really good move that they didn't extend him long term. Um, I remember watching just as kind of a funny aside, um, Scott Feldman throwing that no hitter into like the sixth inning against the Cubs uh, a few, few weeks ago and, and thinking, man, we, we gave up this guy for Jake Arrieta. <laughs> well, before we get into kind of, and I know we're going to talk a little bit about when, what, what can be done here for the rest of the season and what are, what are the right moves, not just for this season, but for the longer term play. I want to talk a little bit. Let's, let's, let's get back to, uh, uh, Montana Joel and look at some, some positives and I want to start with just pleasant surprises. And in looking at it for me, I look at the, I look at the bullpen and I looked at, you know, some of the guys that were acquired to be a part of the bullpen. And I'm like, the bullpen overall has been very good. The bullpen has been very good. That's mm-hmm. a, that's nice to see. Uh, but CJ Edwards to me, even though I was like, yeah, he could be a closer. He could do it. He could go put him in there, especially towards the tail end of last season, the way he was throwing. He has really uh, been a, my pick for pleasant surprise. He's he is he's a reliable member of that of the end of that road of the end of that bullpen, and he can come in there and get guys out. And so that to me is kind of one of the bright spots. Um, Joel, what what do you see in terms of uh, something positive that you've seen this year? No, I mean that's a that's a great call. And TJ Edwards, you know, I mean that's another reason not to keep bringing back this point, but that's another reason why I don't feel like trading Wade Davis is a complete white flag. Like, because you can say, look, we're going to plug this guy in and he's, he's pretty solid and, you know, looks to be intuitively speaking. I don't know what plans I have, but I'm thinking he's probably their closer next year. But um, yeah, the bullpen, I think, like I mentioned before, Wilson Contreras is looking good. He's calmed down his, his numbers, the ERAs of uh, pitchers, you know, Lester was always with David Ross, but Lester's ERA with Contreras is pretty solid. Um, I, I mean, I, I'm trying to get back that Missoula warming glow uh, and it's hard because the defense is down and the offense is down and the pitching is down. So um, John Jay, hmm? How about that? <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> he's, he's solid. I, 
I've, I've got one for you. Uh, Ian Happ. That's yeah. a oh, surprise. Yeah. 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 Um, if it weren't for a guy named Cody Bellinger, we'd be talking about Ian Happ uh, as a potential National League Rookie of the Year this year. How many wins do you think his offense has kind of t- like given the Cubs just based on the fact that the, the way the offense is underperformed, you take his bat out of the lineup with all these injuries, it just, it'd be even so much worse. I feel like. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know if there's a win total number on it uh, that I could give you, but five, uh, there, I yeah. said three, three was what came to mind. 24. Um, <laughs> I, I don't know if there is a number. I, I know there is a, there were a handful of games specifically where he, uh, had an offensive performance that pushed them over the top. Uh, the two homer game is coming to mind. Um, so yeah, I mean, it, this is a guy who's only played 51 games and has 13 home runs in the big leagues as a rookie. That's pretty impressive. Uh, take add in the fact that he hit nine at AAA before he even came up. Um, this kid has, has had quite the season. I know there's a lot of people who still really aren't buying in on him yet. Um, and and he's actually created somewhat of a problem for the Cubs because he was viewed for a long time as the big trade piece, right? Mm-hmm. Like they didn't want to trade away Eloy Jimenez. Well, now this kid comes up and he he's essentially your third best hitter this season. So you can't trade him at this point and actually improve the roster unless you're getting something huge in return. So so now that that comes off the table, and and this is something that was discussed on Twitter today ad nauseum, and and I can make my point on it. Um, the fact that the Cubs didn't trade any of these uh, player, these positional players uh, last offseason to bring in pitching going forward. Now we've seen a perfect storm of worst case scenario mm-hmm. where the pitching is falling apart. They don't have, um, you know, that ace that you can count on right now uh, or, you know, a good number two or, or whatever you're looking for. And they have this, you know, kind of, everybody's underperforming on offense, but you still have this like cluster of like 12 players who are are all battling on the big league roster (laughs) who are all basically everyday players, or at least close to it, depending on how you feel about Tommy LaStella. And, you know, they're all essentially, they've arrived now. So you have all these guys who deserve to play and some of them are struggling and some of them aren't. And it's just a big it's a big problem. You know, some of these guys needed to be moved or at least one of them needed to be moved so that everybody has, has a, a place or enough playing time and, and you have that pitching. So now you're in a position where, you know, if you wanted to trade Addison Russell, you can't because his value is in the toilet. Same thing for uh, Kyle Schwarber. You can't do it. Ian Happ was the guy you thought maybe you could move uh, if he was performing well, but you really can't do that and not downgrade the offense. You can't move Wilson Contreras because he's one of the best catchers in, in the league. Um, you don't want to move Javier Baez if you can avoid it. I that was the name I was going to mention. They're, they're, and, and then you don't want to move Eloy Jimenez because he's going to be one of the top prospects in the game, and he's basically all you have left in the farm system that has serious value. So they're, they're, in, a big, uh, they're in a big problem right now, and – uh, they may make a big move at the trade deadline, but they're not one move away from fixing this. They they have to have some serious um, serious change in their own performance of the players already on this team if they're going to win anything. Yeah, I mean, everything you said is right. And, you know, the funny thing is I, I had always heard that there were certain untouchables, and Addison Russell was just a gimme that he was untouchable. And now... I don't know that he is. I mean, clearly now is not the time, but I I don't know what's happened to him. I mean, I I, I don't like to think that. I mean, I, we don't have to get into the off the field stuff because clearly that we have no idea what effect that has. But it, it something he's just a different player. Um, he's obviously there's something wrong with his shoulder. It, it looks like and his defense is down a little bit, but. Um, but yeah, I, I think you're right that now you've got all these infielders and you don't you don't know what to do with them. I don't trade. Um, you were you you throw names out there. I think, as I mentioned before, I think there are a couple untradeables: uh, Brian Contreras, Rizzo, and I don't trade Eloy Jimenez and I don't trade Dylan Cease. Um, although I did, I was horrified to see on Twitter someone referred to um, him as a maybe a scout said he looked like a potential reliever because mm-hmm. I, I think it's interesting how. Um, Theo Epstein, and I think there's probably an article to be, to be written about how he's put together pitching staffs because he's kind of cobbled them together using 
uh, trading position players and signing free agents. Um, he doesn't seem to produce them organically. I know you can't create a Clayton Kershaw out of, you know, Zeus's skull, but there is the fact that they've just been so barren coming up through the farm system. I remember getting an argument on Twitter, people like, oh, it's no big deal. That's what the position players for. It's like, at a certain point, you feel like they would just lock into someone, but it's just no, it's hasn't a, happened. It's, it's, a, it's a good point, and it ties into what, what you're saying, Ryan, in that here you've got, hey, look, they, they, Ian Happ producing at the major league level, another rookie, the Cubs front office manages to do it again. They can keep pulling position players out of out of out of the minors, just plucking them in, plugging them in, and wow, look, they're producing. Good job, great. But look what happens when that's all you can do, and you can't pluck on the on the pitching side of things, right? And what happens when all those players are kind of down to flat uh, uh, on the performance side? Now the trade value is gone, so it's kind of it may, it, to a point. It's al- it's almost too late to trade any of those guys or it's just not the right time. But if you need, you need pitching, what, what can you do? Where are you going to go get guys? And this is where, you know, if you had to make a trade right now, who do you have to trade? It's Eloy Jimenez. He's, he's a guy that you could get something significant out of, or maybe somebody out of the bullpen, like a CJ Edwards. You know, I mean, it's, you're going to, you're going to make the team worse to get that, the, that, bit larger solution and, and I think that goes back into kind of the conversation that I wanted to have here is okay so what do you do if you're in charge we've talked about trading for a controllable young starter for since the beginning of this podcast is is, is now the time to do it to bring in somebody that's that's gonna you know bring in those two pitchers that they're talking about from the Tigers and say all right let's plug those two guys in and see what we can do and and if if it doesn't work out then you got those two guys ready for 2018 what's what's the game plan here Ryan well Help. yeah mm-hmm. um, yeah I uh, there are a few things I wanted to touch on before I get to that question um, the Dylan Cease thing uh, I, I mean he has an electric arm. Um, he's already had Tommy John surgery. He's, I think, 20 years old. He's in a ball. So he's realistically three years away if all things go well. So, I, I mean, I like, I like him. I, I interviewed him when he came to Peoria, Illinois, uh, to play the Peoria Chiefs. He's a good kid. He's intelligent. Um, he knows what he's doing out there. He has a plan. He's not, he's not your like meathead pitcher who does you know, he's 20 and all he knows is he can throw really hard. I mean, he, he gets it. He's smart, but you know, the odds that that kid is ever a pitcher, a starting pitcher in the big leagues and throws 200 innings, it's gotta be like five to 10%. I mean, it's just the, he's a lottery ticket at this point, just based on uh, his profile. Um, He's a much better odds as, as coming up and being, you know, Carl Edwards Jr. I think that's a good comp, not necessarily their body size, just their, their future profile. So uh, I I guess I just fell in love with his ceiling. Yeah. I mean, the ceiling is there, but it's so high risk, high reward. Uh, I would move him in the right deal. Um, Honestly, if I were talking about Cubs pitching prospects, I would be more hesitant to move a guy like Trevor Clifton or Thomas Hatch than I would Dylan Cease, just because I feel like those guys profile as more of a sure thing to actually reach the big leagues and maybe uh, pitch in a starting rotation. Um, To get to Carlos's point, I don't think it's possible to acquire two pitchers who are, who are, you know, going to make a difference for you with what the Cubs have to trade, unless you're giving up Eloy Jimenez. And even then, um, you're not getting Michael Fulmer for Eloy Jimenez and Jamer Candelario. I mean, it's just not going to happen there. They're going to want something, you know, in half. Yeah. It is great. More than that. I mean, they're, they're going to want Kyle Schorber if he still had value. That's the name. That's the name I saw. Yeah. I mean that they're going to want something like imagine Schorber when he still had value in a trade, that's what they want. Um, so, so you're talking like, you know, just just spitballing here. Ian Happ plus uh, Jimenez plus no, so yeah, somebody else on the on the big league roster, maybe Baez. Um, that's what they're going to want for for a guy like Michael Fulmer, who is 24 years old and one of the best pitchers in the American League, and um, making peanuts um, for his salary. I mean, that, that it's just a perfect storm of of greatness for Fulmer. So, 
Um, that trade's probably not going to happen unless Theo can pull a rabbit out of his hat. So you're looking at a guy like Verlander, if you're going to eat some money and you don't want to give up a ton of prospects, um, you're looking at rentals, uh, maybe Sonny Gray is available. Um, Chris Archer, as much as the Cubs would love to have him at this point is not available. If they had wanted to go down that route, they probably could have, if they had been willing to trade a guy like Schwarber last off season, which I advocated for at the time. So I, I think maybe you can acquire one pitcher and then to fix the 2018 problem, maybe you get a guy like Sonny Gray uh, for um, some decent prospects and then go out and sign. I, I think the big thing, if we're looking towards 2018, they have to be throwing a ton of money at you Darvish in the off season. That, that's pretty much hmm. the name out there. Who's going to garner a ton of interest. All the other free agents, all the other starting pitching free agents are having, you know, pretty down years, but you Darvish is doing well. I wouldn't trade for him because he's, you know, could walk away, but um, they need to go out and sign a guy like Darvish trade for another starter. And then, going into 2018 probably find another two starting pitchers that you wouldn't feel um, bad about putting in your rotation. Well, that's a lot of miles on that arm. Yeah. I I mean, I know that makes sense and I know that you're right that he would be the big get, but I'm just, you know, he, that would be the kind of, that could be like a Jason Hayward type contract where in three years you're like, Oh man, we're, this is bad. I don't think you, I mean, you Darvish isn't that old. No, I think he has. I remember seeing in some article about how he has a lot of innings based on his uh, years in Japan too. So if you oh, add okay. them together, so yeah. I mean, he missed. He missed. Um, uh, he's over the last four seasons in the big leagues. As of right now, I'm pulling it up. He's only tossed 363 innings. So the last four years, it's actually been quite light because he had Tommy John surgery, but he's still been very good as well. Now, here's a here's a question for you guys: Is there any is there any scenario, or not scenario, but is there any way that that this uh, subpar first half can be turned into a positive? Um, starting the season off, it was up. Oh, they're going to repeat. They're going to win it again. Wow, they've got all the pieces. They're perfectly lined up. This is the team. They are no longer that team. They are no longer being talked about anywhere other than oh look uh david ross is a is is making jokes on twitter nobody's talking about this team right now other than the occasional oh yeah they're kind of disappointing they're not really getting it done or they're getting smoked by the pirates um so is there any is there any does this could this be a positive if they can if they can get their guys playing as they can to get healthy hendrix comes back uh arietta has a decent second half where having that monkey off their back of all oh, these guys are going to make it. And they just become another team. Like, like we've had for all the years we've been Cub fans, except for last year where it's like, Oh, I hope they can make it. I hope that something good happens. You know, whereas there was a little bit of that, like aura of invincibility at the end of last year, uh, where look at this abundance of young talent and, and, and the pitching and the ERA and the numbers. And it's, it's like, or am I just trying to put a, a, a positive spin on something that really doesn't have one? <laughs> Joel, tear, tear it up. Uh, I don't know. I mean, you're talking about like kind of an intangible thing. Uh, you know, maybe there is the, um, I don't know, man. <laughs> that's, a, that's a tough one. I'm you just, can say no. I mean, the Dodgers and the Astros just look to be kicking so much ass. You know, it's just like they seem to have the magic. They're the ones pulling out. You know, there was a game – there was some game when um, Rizzo came up and was one strike away from, uh, I think it was against the Reds, and it was like he was down, it was two and two, and then he gets a three-run home run, ties it, and then they win an extra innings. I'm like, that's it. That's the kind of game you win when it's your year. And they've had like none of those since. So, you know, I, I think that we have seen bits and pieces of them kind of putting it together. But as far as a positive from this negative, I guess maybe – you know, um, you know, there was a band in the early 90s called the Judy Bats, and they had an album called Pain Makes You Beautiful. So maybe the struggle, you know, and realizing they're not going to step on the field and, you know, score seven runs by uh, just by virtue of being there. And the other team is not going to roll over just because they're the world champions. So maybe this is the kind of thing that makes you tougher. Um, and I just, I just don't see it happening this year. So, um, you know, as far as, I don't know what that means as far as trades and 
things happen down the road, but I, it just doesn't feel like it this year. Like last year, I know last year was historic, um, but uh, it, it had a, it had kind of a feeling like they were really they were the juggernaut. And I know that the juggernaut doesn't always win, and often usually doesn't. But but they don't feel like they're even the, you know, they they have the magic to be the underdog who comes in and sneaks it all. You know, I just don't. It just doesn't feel magical to me. Yeah, um, I think the really good point is uh, I tweeted out a screenshot of the San Francisco Giants last several years, and after their uh, three World Series wins. They won 86, 76, and 84 games since following. So um, if this team won 86 or 84 or 76 games, would that be all that surprising? I don't think so. Um, So uh, I think there's only a handful of teams that have won the World Series in the last 10 years or 15 years that have uh, gone on to win 90 or more. I think the last team to actually win 90 or more after winning the World Series was the 2010 Yankees. So uh, I think it takes a lot out of you to win the World Series, and it doesn't surprise me that that a team would would kind of, you know, they all had like their best years the yeah. last year. I mean, they, they did. There's no way around it. You know, you can't say that. Um, you know, Chris Bryant has ever been better than that. Uh, should we have expected Chris Bryant to be better than he was in his MVP season? I, I think if anybody did, they were really foolish. I think anybody who expected all these guys to come back out and just continue to get better and better and put up better and better numbers. I think that was kind of misguided. I mean, these are young kids. You Epstein always says um, that progress isn't linear. Uh, These guys are going to have their struggles because they are still young. Just because you win a world series and two division titles doesn't make you immune to those problems. So um, I, I think that, that they still have the talent to do this. I think they've had a lot of injuries, uh, specifically Addison Russell. Uh, Jason Hayward's missed a lot of time with injury. Uh, ben Zilbrist has been injured most of the season, um, with first with the back problem, then with the wrist problem. Uh, so I think a little time off and getting basically their team back out on the mound in the second half with Kyle Hendricks going on a rehab assignment uh, today. Um, I can't remember where he is, but uh, he's or he's in Tennessee. He's starting tonight. Um, you know, we're we're gonna see this team healthy, kicking off the second half, and and we, you know, they they could turn it around. Sure, they they could come back out and kick ass and take names and and perform the way this team could, but it just doesn't it doesn't feel like that year. Well, I want to go off of that 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 phrase. Progress isn't linear because it's a good it's a good jumping off point to something I was texting with my friend Rob about this and he was saying, you know, so what's, what's, what are they to do here? Uh, and, and I was just assuming, well, of course you got to go and get some starting pitching. And I was thinking of this season, but I was more thinking about, uh, you know, the fact that Theo Epstein has always talked about this window, right? You have this young talent and you only have it for a, a certain window. So you got to make sure the pieces are in place to give yourself that chance. So, so let's say whatever happens this season happens, but how do you, how does that window get extended for next year and the year after? Let's just think 2018, 2019. You've got two, two members of your starting rotation that will be gone. One is not pitching very well. The other is pitching disappointing compared to what we all thought he would be doing two years ago. And I'm talking about Arietta there. Those two guys are gone. So you've got John Lester as your number one. You've got Hendricks, I guess, as your number two, just by default. And then you've got and all that's it. And then you've got that's, that's three you slots to fill with a cast of characters. The way this usually works, even on bad teams, is you've got the four and five slot. Maybe those two slots are open in spring training and you throw a bunch of career minor leaguers, re, you know, uh, guys that you're trying to just pick up off the scrap heap and give it a shot, and, or maybe one of your younger pitchers, and, and you say, all right, well, let's see how they all perform. And then the, 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 the best two of those 17 that go out and, and, and try to do it, we'll, we'll, put, we'll put those two in there and see what happens. They've got three openings. They, I cannot see a scenario where they succeed next year and the year after that without having – a solid, a much more solid base in the starting rotation, not in spring training 2018, but today, next month, like that, that number two, number three slot needs to be addressed 
before spring training 2018, and maybe I'm being alarmist, but we're seeing what happens when you don't have starting pitching. You were seeing what happens when you don't have the depth. I was happy that they had Eddie Butler down there. He's come in and he's shown what he can do. What can he do? Can he be a number three? No. Is what he can do. Yeah, exactly. So is he the answer? They've gotten an answer to that question, I think. And that's good that they have that answer. But okay, if that's a no, then who are you going to put out there? Maybe you want Montgomery out there. Okay, how do you feel about going going and uh, competing for the World Series with John Lester, uh, Hendricks, um, Mike Montgomery? Um, you know, I'm I'm struggling here. Eddie Butler is your number four, and and, and then what? One of the worst rotations in baseball. Yeah. So so no, there is no there is no window there. You've essentially shut that window and broken through it and thrown it in the dumpster. So yeah. so my urgency is you got. I mean, duh, right? You have to do something now. What what do you do? Yeah, uh, it's tough. Yeah, the, there are no easy answers right now, and and this is uh, pretty doom and gloom for for a team that's within. Yeah. Uh, six games of first place in their division. Um, I think a couple years ago, uh, if we had said first uh, within six games of first place, we would have thought, yay, this is going great. Um, but yeah, this is, it's not good right now. I, you know, I even look at things like, well, if you go sign you Darvish and you make a trade and you get um, another starting pitcher and then, um, you know, maybe Eddie Butler and Mike Montgomery can battle to be your number five starter. Um, you look at that rotation and you think, but there's so much that can go wrong. Uh, you know, Darvish is coming off Tommy John surgery and we've seen with David Price, you know, how that signing has worked out with Boston. Uh, you know, when pitchers get those big contracts more often than not, it seems they don't perform quite up to the expectation when you, uh, when you sign them, Zach Greinke is another example of that. So, um, you know, there, there's still so many question marks. Um, you know, Lester's going to be, I think, what, 34 or 35 next year? Um, it, it's just not... Winter is coming. <laughs> right, yeah. The, I mean, it, really, the Cubs need to trade from their their depth of positional players. And and again, I mean, this is something one of you guys, I can't remember which, said earlier, was they hoarded all these position prospects. And for years, Cubs fans said, well, when the time is right, they'll trade from their their position of strength to get more pitching and every moment when I brought up that fact I get rebuffed by Cubs fans saying no no you can't trade this guy no you can't trade that guy or no I don't want to trade him for that pitcher or no these you know not enough pitchers available the pitchers that are good aren't available well you know what now you're seeing what happens is when you get stuck with a ton of position players and you get the double whammy that they're underperforming um, and you don't have the pitching that you need. I mean, th- this, is, this is a big problem. And they're going to have to trade somebody you don't want them to trade, especially if guys like Addison Russell and Kyle Schwarber don't start turning it around. You may see somebody moved off the big, big league roster in the offseason to get pitching that you don't necessarily want to see moved. You know, I'm going to put on my Montana Joel hat here. And um, here's, here's the, the good news. And it's not very concrete. Um, but the, the thing is they have the smartest guy in the room at the top of the pyramid. Theo Epstein has proven that he's, you know, one of the best GMs or, or front office guys in the history of baseball. He sees what we see. He knows that this is an issue. And he, I, I know that, you know, that he's talked about getting pitching and it hasn't worked out this year so far, but he turned, you know, he got Kyle Hendricks out of nothing. He got Jake Arrieta out of nothing. So I can't help but think that, you know, they're not going to go, well, I guess we had our year and then we're done. You know, they will figure, <laughs> he's figured out how to, he's figured out how to exploit the inefficiencies, be it the international draft, be it free agency, be it uh, draft pick compensation. He'll find the inefficiency. Um, I, I, I've, Ryan, it's funny you talked about, you know, getting rebuffed by Cousins. I remember, uh, getting people, people were very angry at me on Twitter saying that, you know, when I said that it concerns me that he has not produced a starting pitcher. I was like, well, he doesn't need to. Like, well, now we see what happens. But my point is, is that they're aware of this. And uh, I think that, oh, <clears throat> excuse me, I think that they'll 
figure out a way to make it happen. I mean, will they then, you know, put together an awesome rotation? I don't know, but at least they're having guys that smart on the case and having players, you know, with the potential of an Addison Russell or a Kyle Schwarber. All Schwarber has to do, you know, his last month has been strong. Um, if he if he can hit like we hope he can, you can probably get a pretty solid amount for him. They, they seem oddly attached to him. Um, yeah. I was going to bring that up. They, um, and this is something I've gotten into it with Cubs fans about because I think Cubs fans as a, as a whole feel the same way. And I think it's related to the whole world series and the comeback and all that, all that great stuff. But um, yeah, I've been saying since last off season, uh, if the Cubs were smart, they'd be looking to move Schwarber when he still has all that value because he, because he is the guy who is long-term, not the best fit with this roster. Right. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's an American league DH. Um, we've seen, we've seen, he can shag fly balls in left field, but difficult plays uh, are tough for him. Uh, he's bad going back on the ball. Um, he can usually come in on it. Okay. Um, but he even struggles uh, at times, uh, with that too. I mean, it's just, if the guy's not hitting, he is such negative value. And uh, even if he is going to end up being a great slugger, how many of those guys do you have that you believe in on this roster who you think can be, can be really good hitters for you in the long term. I think it's, they would have been wise to move him when he still had all that value in the off season and move him for a pitcher that, you know, maybe, maybe the Rays would have been more interested in dealing Chris Archer if they could have gotten Kyle Schwarber last December. Uh, The Cubs fans wouldn't have liked it, but uh, it would have set them up better for the long term. And you're right. I I think Theo Epstein and and those guys uh, very specifically Joe Madden, I think they have um, kind of an unhealthy attachment to Schwarber. Um, that kind of reminds me to switch sports a little bit of the old Bulls uh, of maybe 10 years ago when John Paxson was in charge and he thought like, oh, this core of Kirk Heinrich and Ben Gordon and Lou Aldang, they're going to be, you know, the greatest thing since sliced bread. And no, we can't give up Lou Aldang for Kobe Bryant. Like, how dare you ask us to give up Lou Aldang? <laughs> um, that's kind of what it reminds me of with with the Schwarber attachment. I don't think he's necessarily a hall of famer. I mean, I think he's going to be a really good hitter. Uh, I don't doubt that, but um, this is a, this is a guy who's an American league DH and possibly a very good one, but uh, that's not the long-term fit. When you look at all these guys, I think, you know, when you look at true fit with this roster, Ian Haft's probably a better fit. Well, it's totally, I, th- I agree. It's a valid criticism of this front office and, you know, the fact that, uh, these holes that are getting closer and closer as 2018 comes near, but are evident now with the way that the rotation has been injured and ineffective, valid criticism, but we've said it before. And we always, uh, I feel like we say it every time we get a chance to talk about the front office, we have faith in them. They are smart. This, and, and maybe I'm being over dramatic here, but the, the, the position that they've painted themselves into, this is going to be their greatest challenge is to, you know, do something to make a run at 2018, at 2017, if they feel they can, but also in in the current state of this roster, trying to acquire what they need to keep this window open. And I'm talking more specifically about the starting rotation. When you have very little to give, uh, you have a lot of position players that are very talented, but in terms of trade value, short of doing something crazy like, flipping a Rizzo or a Bryant, which I don't advocate and I don't think will happen, but short of doing something massive like that and then saying, okay, well, we'll fill in, we'll backfill with our position players that we have and, and acquire a, a talented, you know, pitch, a starting pitcher. I, I don't know how you're going to do it. And now I actually have come around to, from feeling extremely negative um, to, to being very interested in seeing how Epstein approaches this, what he does and I'm sure we're going to be criticizing and analyzing uh, what he does and how he does it and if it's too late. But but look at his track record, right? Whatever he does, he he has a plan. And I'm, I'm excited to see what how he tries to dig himself out of this one. Yeah, I mean, I agree. And the, the urgency isn't there because, you know, I'm looking up right above me is the Tribune, you know, from uh, Thursday – November 3rd says at last, and there they are celebrating the world series win. So it's not so urgent, you know, it's like they won. So for a, a year or two or 
three, I'll be like, okay, I'm good. You know, I, I really don't feel like that angry about this season because I'm like, hey, I watched them win the World Series. I did not think, I did not think I was going to see that in my lifetime. Like, I got to the point in my darkest moments. I'm like, I'm never. It's never happening. Um, so I'm, yeah, I think that, I think that they will figure it out. And I don't think that they're, you know, clearly Epstein is not the kind of guy to rest on his walls and say, Hey, we won, whatever, you know, he, they are, you know, I'm sure that they are up late trying to figure out the inefficiency to exploit and figure out some way to fix this pitching issue. Um, and it's going to be a lot easier when they sign Bryce Harper and Shohei Otani also. I just want to end that too. Yeah, well, of course. Well, yeah, I, I mean, there's been a lot of negative on here, and I think that's just um, a reflection of the kind of uh, first half of the season the Cubs have had and, and some of the disappointing moves or lack of moves that they've had over the last uh, six or eight months. Um, but uh, I, there is a lot of positive going forward. You still have guys like Chris Bryant, who's going to be um, you know, an upper echelon player for for his career. You have uh, Anthony Rizzo, you have uh, Wilson Contreras, who's one of the best catchers in the game. Um, John Lester should continue to age well, even though this year has been kind of a, a strange blip for him. Um, you have a lot of core players uh, that you're building around, and I don't know if I would take you – know, they're, they're probably in a conversation with maybe two or three other teams uh, for best projection over the next you know, maybe five to ten years uh, as a team. Um, I would mention teams like the Giants or the the Boston Red Sox who won multiple World Series. They didn't win three in a row. They they spaced them out. The Giants won every other year. The Red Sox won in 2004, then 2007, then 2013. So I think this is going to be a process. Um, they're going to there's going to be some retooling. I think there will be new names along the way. Um, I, I'm very confident that the that the Theo Epstein Cubs will win another World Series. Um, it's just a Ooh, matter. Of, I like hearing that. Uh, <laughs> it's just a. It's just a matter of who is still left on this roster and how many years that is. Is it this year? Maybe, probably not. Is it next year? I don't think any of us know. Could they win one in twenty twenty or twenty twenty one? Sure. I don't. It, it, they just don't know yet. So, um, I would say Cubs fans don't give up hope. Um, this is still a very good team, and and that's this is what it's all about. They won one pretty much right away, but uh, you know the, this it's all about getting all those bites at the apple. So I think that's what they're going to try and do, set themselves up to do that. I love leaving you guys on a positive note. That makes me feel good. I'll sleep better tonight. <laughs> at least we we did we couldn't let Joel give the final thought. <laughs> <laughs> it's all doom and gloom. Uh, I see he muted his microphone because he didn't want to. Um, didn't want to handle that. Yeah, I was, I was too busy for wiping away tears. <laughs> uh, Joel, did you did you have a sixty seconds with a former cub you wanted to regale us with? I do, as a matter Ooh. of fact. Um, Special I was, treat for the fans. Hit us with your best shot. Um, God, I love when you quote that kind of chart to me. Said that Ooh, can, can we play? Can we play a fun game where you give us hints and we can see who can guess it first? Yeah, uh, okay, that's a, I like that. Throw us, throw, us, throw us a hint. Okay. Uh, pitcher. Lefty. Uh, mid-2000s. Oh, uh, Ted Lilly. Wow. Well done. Whoa. Ah, got it. <laughs> nice. I know what's going on, the, on the top line of Ryan's resume now. <laughs> um, yeah, Ted Lilly. I was thinking about him because he was the uh, Cubs uh, the representative in the 2009 All-Star game. So topical, a news hook, as we used to say in the business. Carlos, do you have the uh, sound effects ready for Joel? Go for it, Joel. Okay, ready? Go. Go. For me, the scariest movie killers weren't the evil maniacal guys who could run you down and chase you like, a, say, Kyle Farnsworth. No, the scarier guys is the one who would look at you with dead eyes and coldly track you down with murderous efficiency. That's Ted Lilly. Because the doe-eyed lefty looked like a kindly insurance agent. And he put up decent numbers with the Cubs, 44 and 33 when the All-Star game appearance in 2009. Beneath that nebbish exterior was a guy who'd say, bloody his manager's nose in a fight in the tunnel. Or throw a glove down on the field with such force after giving up homework that they'd feel in downstate Springfield. Which he did after Chris Young went yard off in the 2007 NLDS. The tied back to insurance, 
Willie pled no contest to insurance fraud after trying to scam $4,600 from his insurance companies, despite making millions and millions in the major leagues. So who is Ted Lilly, really? I'm going to say I don't know, and I think it's better that I not find out. <laughs> Ted Lilly. Way to work the insurance scam in there. You know, there was another one. <laughs> there was another thing that I, I was searching for. Uh, I was doing you know, my voluminous research on Ted Lilly, and I found this thing where he apparently had given up a bunch of runs in some game and was walking through the dugout purposefully, angrily, grabbed the bat, and headed right in, down the tunnel. So I'm like, okay, was he like smashing mirrors and you know lockers? And you heard guys kind of, you saw guys kind of peeking down in there to see what was going on. So he was kind of, kind of weird, right? You know, he looked so yeah. calm and collected, but there was this weird anger. Like, how many guys? Who can you think of that has been in a fight, a literal fight with their manager? Like, uh, I can't think of anyone else. So. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. Uh, even Milton Bradley wouldn't fight Lou Pinella. Yeah, um, and Bob, uh, Barry Bonds had his thing with uh, Jim Leland, but they yeah. didn't come to fisticuffs. Uh, yeah, uh, I will always remember Ted Lilly for his glove toss. Yeah, you guys, that's that. That's. I mean, it's a very sad moment. What was that? Game two of the NLDS. Yeah. Seven. Yeah. Um, the glove toss uh, on the Chris Young home run. That's. Yeah. That's my big memory of Lilly. But I think uh, Ted Lilly was an underrated Cub. I think um, he had a couple good years on good teams, and he, he only got that one playoff start where he got absolutely bombed um, by Chris Young. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, that's, that's a guy who probably deserves a little bit more uh, credit in Cubs history than he gets. Sure. No, I, I agree with that. Um, he, there's, uh, a, there's a lot more, let's say, Kerry Wood love out there or Ryan Dempster love out there than uh, – than for Ted Lilly, whereas Ted Lilly probably contributed more to uh, to Cubs teams than those guys did. More than Kerry Wood. Whoa. Incendiary take right there. Right. Well, I mean, all right, so the 2003 season, but I, <laughs> I guess I guess Kerry Wood had maybe three good years as a starter, whereas Ted Lilly maybe only had two or two and a half. My, my feeling about Kerry Wood is that he – I don't know why he gets a pass for game seven of the 2003 NLCS. Because he had yeah, a home run. He, he gave up, I think, seven runs. Yeah. I mean, sorry. That's no bueno. I think um, he gets a pass for that because he'd been throwing 130 pitches a game for the yeah. last three months, and at that point his arm was completely burned out. Right. And, and because he won those two Memories. Games. Yeah. <laughs> oh, good memories. Yeah. We we were we were ending on a positive note, and all of a sudden we're trashing Kerry Wood. Come on, <laughs> yeah. what are we talking about? Game seven of the 2003 NLCS. <laughs> oh. I will still say, after all those things that happened last year, uh, the Kerry Wood game seven home run is still probably a top five uh, Cubs oh, memory yeah. for me. Oh yeah, yeah for sure. Yeah. Well, with that, let's let's leave it. Uh, let's leave it with remembering that these are the world champion Chicago Cubs and see what Theo Epstein does and uh, for the rest of the season and for next year. I'm looking forward to it. And I'm looking forward to seeing you guys more frequently than we have been lately. Let's not promise things we can't. (laughs) 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 All right, guys. All right.